Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media. And that's Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, New York Comic Con wrap-up, Pepe the Frog Lives, and the Digital Roundup. So, New York Comic Con. Yes. Great or the greatest? Well, it was so great. We had to delay doing the podcast a week because we were so exhausted we couldn't even talk. Well, we to be fair, we bombarded our listeners yeah. with vast, vast quantities of true. podcasts. That Lots is true. of interviews. That is true. Well, well you could see how you could see how you just uh, look in our feed, busy man. we were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, but uh, what? Uh, how many tickets? One hundred and eighty-five thousand. Uh, yes. One hundred and eighty-five thousand tickets sold over four days. Um, I don't know. Biggest, bigger, most grandiose. <laughs> well, I mean, it's very interesting here in New York, of course, because there isn't a, uh, as I understand it, a cap on ticket sales. Right. Long as the floor is moving and things look kosher. Um, <laughs> well, the, the I don't fire think. Marshals will I, let, will let well, the I don't. Party go you on, know right? what? I, 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 that stretches the meaning of the word kosher, Calvin. I mean, I think it's as long as the <laughs> fire marshals. I mean, you know, I want to cast shade, but I mean, the old joke was that they had to be paid off. I mean, well, if you take one. <laughs> I will say, I think we we were talking about this briefly, but I I do think. It wasn't, uh, you know, I never felt panicky. No, <laughs> yeah, but it like was, in past years where point. I felt panic and, you that's know, was trapped point. and couldn't move. So I'd, so nobody felt panic this year. Yeah, so it that's was, a big it was tight, and there were but a it lot didn't, of people on the floor at I didn't want to die. all times. Yeah. Um, but everything was moving. I mean, obviously, this is where this is a segue into the overall strategy of New York Comic Con, which is to get people off of the floor right. at these satellite events. Well, I will say that uh, one of our booth workers, my friend Eve, uh, really does not like crowds. But Allie Carter is one of her favorite authors and was going to be there Saturday. So she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is a book con. But, well, the book con. But yeah. then, you know, she had to yeah. come to our part. Sure. And um, so she strategized it so that she went to this panel and then she just worked straight at the booth afterward. So like she didn't she just went straight there. She didn't even want to walk around on the floor except for like you know, half an hour at the very end of the show. And that way, like, it was just enough because BookCon wasn't crowded, she said. No, it was good. Well, yeah. It was but it day wasn't was she packed. There? Saturday. Saturday. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. I mean it was I mean, she was comparing it. She was comparing it to the main floor. Mm, you understand. Sure. Well, BookCon Com- was was fine. I mean, BookCon yeah, was right. nothing. But yeah. but for somebody who who has freaked out when going to Comic Con in past years? She could handle it this year, and yet she keeps coming back. Why? Well, she she didn't. She <laughs> she skipped it a couple of years. She's like a nerd she, girl. She yeah. skipped it a couple of years, but this year she had a plan, right? And the plan worked, right? Uh, but I think it planned it worked because the floor, while dense, was was not as bad. There and was... I thought it was interesting that they started to put up signs saying what I have always said, which is don't take your 
cosplay pictures in the middle of the hall. Right. Then yeah, they were. I didn't. But they, they did it anyway. I didn't no see anybody enforcing that. that. But you know what? When yeah. you see enough signs that say not to do something, a few people are going to not do it. You know, there are always a rule few breakers. people who will there's do always it. going to be rule followers too. I found who will follow any yeah, rule that sure. they see posted. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I they're just they had the outside open. Uh, the outside path to Artist Alley was open. Um, I mean, it was it was that always really helped a lot. crowded, but it was the never quite as bad. Artist Alley also was jammed at all times, but kept moving. Uh, each each of the times I was but there, anyway. Also, very important. Mm-hmm. I noticed that there were a lot fewer of what I would call disruptive activations. That's um, a good point. Yes. yes. Like last year they Where had a Jurassic World Very... activation in the main corridor that was like these uh, these raptors, these, uh, what do you call them? Animatronic raptors. Yes. There would constantly be a huge crowd gathered around. And, and they made it annoying. Ah! Yeah, noise. I know, and they went like this. They went like this, too. You can't see what I'm doing, but it's funny. Right at the opening, they also had a giant public TV set. This wasn't this year, but years past. I mean, it just seems like really bad idea yes and then then and, and, and right and in the places. in the pathway to artist alley last year they had the progressive with the lockers where yes. people could go so they had a lot yeah. of activations that created log jams yeah uh and this year they very smartly did not They're have not those. In that they hallway did for not sure. have they they mm-hmm. kept the pathways clear i mean they uh, had some very cool activations but they Right, they structured well, they it ha- well. For instance, they had the South Park, uh, the one that I still it's been at two cons, and I've still never really been <laughs> oh, there to see Lemmy Winks get my picture with Lemmy Winks. Yeah. But they had this beautiful. Uh, they had it at San Diego, and then yeah. they set mm-hmm. it up in the uh, in the courtyard yeah, where they had the food trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, actually, I mean, look at that. They had food trucks there previously where they would be lining up, and now they just had this South yeah. Park activation. So the lines were kept clear. I think. And, you know, listen, we've been very critical of New York Comic Con uh, in years past. I mean, out of love. Uh, But I would have to say this time, I feel like it grew up a little bit. I I think it was really well organized. I I mean, there were a lot of people in the building, and it really did not feel crazy, really, at any point. It was crazy, but it was not... But, yeah, it but was I not mean, like I'm I, gonna die. Yeah, right, it's exactly. not like where you've been in gridlock, where you're yeah, stuck no. and nobody is moving. I've been trapped in that tunnel oh, in yeah, the alley, absolutely. and it was no movement what, what back or forth. I think is interesting. Nothing like that is, happened. Is this year? I went to a large main hall panel. I went mm-hmm. to the uh, Voltron Defender of the Universe one mm-hmm. for the Voltron cartoon on Netflix, which, incidentally, dear listeners, is awesome. It's from oh. the same people as uh, Avatar Airbender. They had us line up in a line hall, but it's not a line hall anymore. No, it's shoots. They call them shoots, mm. and they look like giant livestock shoots. They tell you to, to move them in because because move they realize in. that if you stand in line, like an actual line, it takes it takes up too much space, and people squabble over who's standing where. But if you just let everyone fill up the chute until the chute is full, then the chute is full, and then people can sit on the ground or whatever. In the yeah. shoot, yep, they're 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 continuing to develop ways to deal with the the line the line waiting. Um, you know, this year you would tap in to panels, which is interesting. Like you'd get in line oh, that's in true. the morning to tap, tap into, into a panel. panel, some panels, some panels. Yeah. Yes, the biggest panels, uh, <laughs> such as. Uh, you know, now they uh, the ones at Madison Square Garden, which were the theater, not in the yeah. main hall, yeah. but uh, the theater at Madison Square Garden, which were like Walking Dead and Doctor Who and yeah. some other huge panels. Uh, you know, there was as uh, I had to talk to Lance Fensterman, the showrunner afterwards. He said there was uh, eleven thousand people yeah. 
uh, venues, you know, the room for 11,000 people at the other venues at all times. The Walking Dead panel did not fill up until that day, you oh. know, so it wasn't even where you had to sleep out or, you know, have a tent or anything. Now, it know? was raining. Um, Sunday. What, what, was it Sunday? It was Wait, Sunday. Sunday, yeah, a little hurricane yeah. hit Sunday, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we. I had a guy over in the uh, uh, book con at NYCC um, uh, who said that you know it was uh, attendance was up and down during the week and mm-hmm. busy over the weekend. Uh, but it, but basically, these things are doing what Lance wants them to yes. do. Uh, they're taking people off the floor and they're not filled to capacity. So he feels like they probably feel like they can do a little bit more to get people. Yes, uh, and in you know. There. That is the way the show is going. There yes. are going to be more and more, uh, as one again, uh, Lance told me, uh, his goal is South by Southwest. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. wants this to be a festival that takes over the city as much as anything can take over New York, mm-hmm. uh, and with multiple venues and multiple different levels. And guess what? Uh, you know what? New York really uh, is beginning to be taken over by New York Comic Con. You know, every year you see people in costume further oh, yeah. and further out from yeah. Javits, yeah. and more and more people uh, I mean I saw so many stories about Comic Con I mean it's like the, the media loves show. it oh, media the media loves goes it. crazy yeah they it, love it it's huge it's like the marathon I think they say it's like the three biggest public events in New York are the auto show also held at Javits uh, the marathon and New York Comic Con so it's right yeah. up there now it is an institution and the train, the new train yard, the new Hudson Yards train uh, sta- uh, subway station is just uh, it's a miracle. Great. Oh, except when it doesn't work, you guys. I mean, that's when true. I was now, leaving it, on Saturday, that's not good. Yeah. when I was leaving, the esc- I don't know if any of you guys had this, so the escalator wasn't working. Uh, I've, going- heard, I've heard other people complain yeah, about that's it, but it didn't happen to me. There was going, it was, it was, thank God the escalator going <laughs> down, because there's no way anyone going up would, would be. Going up would only survival of the fittest. It's Myself would not be included. one of the deepest stations in the city. But like as the the escalator was stopped so people got on it and then saw they had to walk and if you're a normal human such as myself i'm not afraid of heights but i don't like walking down an escalator nobody does because it's so much steeper than these a are normal. really steep yeah. and there were literally people gasping and moaning as myself included and then there were uh, there were people who were stopped halfway down having a panic attack i mean it was really dramatic <laughs> well, not, not, okay i'm not i'm not even exaggerating yeah. it was it was like some poseidon adventure stuff right. there. But, but on the other hand when it does work this year yes. we were able it's fabulous you can get year, there and get out with of there the help so quickly. Of, of a couple brave volunteers uh, Calvin and I were able to bail out the booth without having to attempt to get a cab at the same time as every other exhibitor, which would have been a nightmare. Uh, we could just drag it everything onto the <laughs> subway. Getting and there get and off. leaving has never been Better. so easy. No, it's, it's great. It's, in, it's definitely a, uh, an upgrade. Speaking of that. Hudson Yards construction, um, I wonder if I think they aren't they going to build a hotel there, among other things. Now that is well, probably. Uh, probably there will be. So but, you know, then but, maybe we can maybe the Comic Con will use their ballroom or whatever. Well, I mean, this is the other thing that is. Uh, this was the one sad thing is that uh, that wonderful Artist Alley area in the Javits North. This is the last time. Yeah, going to tear that's going to be a drag. Yeah. I mean, this is really really yeah. sad. Now, a couple of people told me off the record that it's going to be downstairs in Hall C. And I think it was held there one time. The area is actually, the square footage is as large. But the Javits North had light. It had oh, it was air. Beautiful, it had bathrooms. Yeah, it was better. It was a pleasant, wonderful place to be. Hall C is yep. awful uh, crap. Uh, bleep this, you know. 
Um, so, uh, you know, nobody, it's just not going to be the same. I know they're going to look for when one of these hotels is finished. I'm sure they're going to look and for And once some, they build whatever it is that's supposed to right. be there, eventually. But that could be forever. Three to four years. Well, they're going to build something in that spot, aren't they? They are. They're going to build something better. There's going Another to be, hall of yes, some kind. Yes, they're going to build an extension that hopefully will have some of the ambiance. They're going to build the biggest ballroom on the East Coast. Uh, which in theory would uh, be available for Artist Alley, but they're going to have a rooftop uh, garden, and so that'll be cool with mm. trees, a uh, little park, and uh, but that's four years in the future. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I actually made a video, which I put up on YouTube, of people being sad about leaving for the last time, and I, I mean, people literally. <laughs> there were so many more well, bathrooms. It was amazing. Well, that's the other thing is you know you, you can actually use a bathroom. In I a would go to. Of time. I would go all. It was faster to go all the way well, to the pavilion to the North Pavilion to pee. I, the women's and come back. room situation in Javits is a human rights. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, it uh, is bad enough challenge. in the press room. I, I really the UN should step in. It's oh, but insane the press room, for women. But the pr- press There's a line for men, but the <laughs> the line for women at every one is just incredible. Incredible. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know, know what to say. Listen, I know the secret. There now with what's happening. I'm, I know the secret to how to pee, but I, I have to tell you off the air. <laughs> okay, all right. It's going to require a little bit of doing, but uh, once you get get it, you're going to be really okay. incredible. Yeah, it's called a bucket, and it depends. Uh, so yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's bad. You know what? Diapers. Yeah. But uh, let's let's move on to no, other. No, you know what? Aspects. Let me let me. Here's some scuttlebutt. I didn't have a chance to write this in my story or to to, uh, to put this anywhere. So this is a scuttlebutt. The one thing I heard from a lot of people, all publishers. Now this is interesting. Uh, is how many of their panels were rejected. And I literally was at one after con gathering that happened to have high-level publishing people from like three different companies, and each one of them confidentially told me the same thing. It's like we had ten panels proposed, and they only accepted four and rejected our main publisher panel. So... Uh, there's only like uh, like 400 slots for programming. Well, and I kind of feel like their programming this year was not the worst, but was not the best because right. I, I was not the only one that noticed this. Many of my fellow booth workers did too and commented on it. A lot of the panels were suspiciously similar to other panels that were also running. And it's like mm. they could have had a wider variety of panels because, I mean, they all the panels were fine. There was nothing wrong with them. Mm. They just lacked variety. Well, I think yes, and I, I would agree with that. Now, some of the lack of variety was really positive. You know, there was a number of panels that were diversity themed or representation, yes. actually. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there were three or four panels that were, for instance, um, you know, blurreds. Uh, and they sometimes were opposite each other. So that was a little weird. So I, I wouldn't say lower the number of these kind of panels, but just like but, disperse it more. But I mean, even... One, yeah, disperse it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, we're able to, and maybe funny. have diverse creators talk about something other than than diversity. Like, for example, you, you could have a panel of oh, black well. creators talking about something specific other well, than just the broad topic of diversity. That's some a goal for our society to aspire to. Well, I mean, yeah. but, I mean they, but I mean, they could even be talking about something relevant to their group, but more specific than just randomly stuff. Well, I, well, I'm not sure these panels are, are that random, necessarily. Well, not random, um, but I mean, they, they're uh, very but, broad. They're yeah. very broad. Well, there was a panel I did. I was on yeah. two separate mm. 
women in comics panels, all right? And then I quizzed some of my fellow panelists and, you know, like Amy Chu, and she was in three women in comics panels. So, which is awesome, but we also want to be on other panels. Uh, yeah, it's a good panel to have, but then have other... I was told that the, they get 800 panel proposals and accept 80. So well, I believe that, but I yeah. feel like if you're getting 800 panel proposals, some of them are going to be, like, cool and interesting and out there and something you won't see anywhere else, and... I just don't see that on the schedule. Right. I agree. And also, just to, to put this into perspective a little bit, when the publishers, you know, obviously when they propose 10 panels, they know they're only going to get five or six. I mean, you propose more than you want to get. Right. So, so I, I'm not sure how you can right, but I, to be well, but I, impressed but, when you're getting yeah, almost but I, half of the panels. Yeah, but, I, but I, it was way down this year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm not saying every one of these publishers that have 10 panels yeah. either. But I also think that now we're at some kind, you know, the fact that... Uh, publishers are proposing panels that are getting shot down instead of working with the programming people to say oh this is how many panels you get every year i mean that just seems to me it, to be it really does seem like there's a lack weird. of give and take yeah exactly you know and but um, um i mean we were working with your comics i think they had two or three proposals in they got one who did uh, Europe Comics, right? The, uh, you know, right. the European Comics Coalition. Well, they got one in um, when someone canceled, and yeah. I, I sent some emails around, and they 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 did allow. Right. Them. And I think I, I spoke. But to I, you yeah, about yeah. About I will say, too. I feel like the programming. I hate. I agree with you, but I thought it was a lot more. Uh, it was a lot more focused issue. There was a lot less of the panels that annoyed us in the past, like beer and comics, and you know. <laughs> there I mean, actually there, was. I, I continue to be amazed. At, and maybe this is panel. just was me. It? How late into the evening these panels go? Mm. Um, I mean, that's. I'm sort of astonished. I mean, there are panels going on at seven o'clock, eight o'clock. Well, yeah. No, I can understand because yeah. if if somebody does not is not like us and does not get there at the yeah, beginning not, because they work there. Long, I guess. If they show up after work, <laughs> sure, or that's, if that's they their time show to play. up even at like three o'clock in the afternoon and, it's reasonable and, and, you know, yeah that's true you know something else and i said this to a lot of people is that um you know we're so jaded about going to comic cons you know we go to like you know count well we you been, really I go i mean yeah, i go to but i know but we all go to a lot of four we all go to a lot of you know calvin how yeah. many years in a row have you been to well i've been going a lot but yes, yes. i've gone been to every new i've gone to three or four right pro- Right. So basically, twenty years. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, but for some people, this is a real good. Yes, absolutely. Goal. And also, you know, what? Well, even though they're late, I mean, for some, I mean, anime cons traditionally have very. Oh, late they go really late because, into the night because mm. this is a lifestyle thing. Yeah. I mean, this is what. And very often, I guess people are there for one day when we're what, there every day, and we're Calvin, like, yeah. It's also like mm-hmm. this is what they're there to do. Yes, absolutely. You know, right? And it's. It's, That's right. I, okay, I, I retract my like. Yeah, I my, I my sullen do it. disapproval. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> of <not>, late panels. <laughs> it's not practical for a professional who also has industry after parties afterward. But just for somebody who came, yeah, you know, at three o'clock absolutely. in the afternoon and has their day pass. I mean, waiting six months for this thing to start. Yeah, yeah. well, now speaking, like, no problem. Speaking of industry functions like this was a little scoop that i had about the harveys what so next year the harveys yes the harveys are moving yeah new york comic-con yeah oh interesting yeah that i will actually see an award for something once maybe just to jump back to this year's uh new york comic-con we should talk about one of the biggest announcements that that came out of there and that's a lot okay that's a lion forge right um probably the biggest the splashiest publishing announcement we've been kind of following lion forge now for 
a few months. They so clearly don't, on an up. Yes, so, don't sorry. bury the lead. What is it? Oh well, they they're expanding. They're adding uh, a really impressive uh, line of of uh, creative teams. Very diverse. They've launched their own superhero universe. A diverse multicultural superhero universe uh they've added a kids line a, a genuine kids line to roar their which is now going to be teens and ya graphic novels and cub house will be uh what pre-k to 12 years old um and you know they've 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 hired a lot of very well-known professional people any creators who our listeners might have heard of absolutely uh on the creative teams we've got david walker who's what he's done for Marvel and DC, he's written Cyborg and Power Man. Since we're in a Luke Cage moment here, um, I, I, one of the people that I find very interesting is actually a, very, a newcomer, Dr. Sheena Howard, who won an Eisner for an academic work on comics and black identity. Mm-hmm. She's going to be working on something on their Catalyst Prime, brand new top secret superhero universe. They won't tell us anything about. Just announced the creative teams. Alexa Campy is working on it. Um, who am I leaving out? Oh, well, I mean, Christopher Priest is Christopher Priest, how could I forget? Uh, you know, yes. I forget that. I think Pop Man, one of the artists. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, Chuck, what's his but, name? But, uh, does but bounce. Joe Casey is involved. Um, so they have an A-list. It's that's all yes, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and the, the, the newcomers yes. are also very, you know, great. Uh, they just announced it. Uh, just you know, just the, the outlines. They just said the, the name of the thing yes. and who was working on it. They well, haven't given any. They haven't given any. It's about the plot but obviously or they, they've hired a lot. Well, yeah, they've hired a lot of. Um, I think it's actually kind of brave of a publisher that is not Marvel or DC to start a superhero line because even publishers that do very well at everything else, you know, that market's really saturated. So unless you do something really unusual, um, it's just super hard to make a go of it. Um, And I mean, I'm glad that's not their entire plan. They're also adding many other things and maybe they'll pull it off. But um, I'm rooting for them, but it's uh Well, it's going to be interesting. See, they've obviously got a lot of resources. They've hired so many people. They've hired about 10 people at mm-hmm. least over the last yeah. six months. Yeah, but it, it doesn't seem to be a matter of how much resources you have or how good your creative teams are. The zeitgeist is flooded Well, yeah, with the other people. And so, you know, I've seen many really good publishers attempt to to do a superhero line and not succeed. Yeah, and I mean, I think we even talk about Valiant. You know, Valiant has recognized characters yeah. that have been around for more than 20 years, and they've, you know, their comics are coming on, but... But you the know, comics that do the best right, are not their superhero But obviously ones. the brass ring and all this is getting a big movie made and having yeah. people go see it, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say this. Uh, I think by coming... Uh, the last time somebody launched a superhero line... Uh, you're absolutely right, Kate. It's not very common. You know, Dark Horse has tried and Dark tried. Horse has They've tried. tried. I think it was and called, failed. wasn't it called Catalyst 2 or something? I know I Joe know. Casey was involved. Was it really? I don't yes, think so. Yes, it was. <laughs> and, you know, so wherever Joe Casey goes, Catalyst follows. But, um, <laughs> uh, and, and if they, Archie. Yeah. Yes, Archie. Archie tries. Yes, Archie they tried. Try. And uh, now, so the one thing that Lionforge has done differently about this is instead of saying, guess what? We've got these really cool characters that you're going to love. As they've said, we have these really cool characters that are aimed at a specific audience and are more representational. Yes. And so it has a focus and a target. Mm-hmm. And you know, at least it has a target. Yes. And also, I would say that this is a little, you know, rubber hits the road sort of thing because we see all the time people calling for more diverse heroes and more diverse, Absolutely. yeah, more but, diversity. But the thing is that are there enough? The oh, question yeah. is, without, if you're not. If you don't have 
aren't pulling from another audience as well. Because it's one thing if you're pulling from the Marvel audience and the audience looking for that diversity. Or if you're pulling from, you know, the audience that uh, likes anime-style webcomics and that's looking for diversity. Or, you know, it's like... Right. You, no. If you're not pulling from a second audience, it can be very hard to make it work just on that alone. So we'll see. We'll see how we'll it does. See. Well, uh, well, they, the, the the superhero universe is key is, is clearly a, a, a key element of what they're doing. Yeah. But one one of the things I will give them some credit for, they are really launching initiatives in virtually every style you can think of. I mean, they also acquired Magnetic Press just before. Um, uh, the opening of the show. Mm -hmm. So, a Magnetic Press is, has built a reputation on doing really gorgeous uh, um, English language transitions of European graphic novels. They may even be getting involved in some original publishing. So, they they're publishing on that mm -hmm. front. Uh, they're doing aren't they doing the the Voltron license graphic mm -hmm. yes. novels and comics? Yeah, I mean, Live so Force traditionally mm -hmm. up until now has been doing licensed comics, and mm -hmm. you know they've had a lot of. They've had a lot of stops and starts. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. done a lot of stuff on and off, and um, but they have not totally crashed. No, they no. haven't crashed. They well, have they've a got lot. a lot they of resources. A lot of resources. There's a lot of there's yes, deep pockets behind deep pockets. this company, and uh, you know they've hired. Uh, I was talking to somebody. I don't know if I'd compare it to the dirty. It's not the Dirty Dozen, really. It's not really the Magnificent Seven. The Dream Team? No, it's more like Space Cowboys, or you know, it's more like you know. Here's this this tease. Maybe Challengers of the Challengers Unknown. Challengers of the Unknown, maybe a little bit Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the team that that everybody had. You know, they well, they've all come from a, somewhere else. They've already done it basically. And but now it is fact, sort of like a weird Expendables uh, plot. It, it's Expendables. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It is. The we love them all. All, but yes. I mean, it's it, it and is now here they like are the, again. Yeah. It's, it's like the plot of an adventure movie yes. where you know, you know, you, you see the characters sort of doing odd things, and right. all of a sudden they get the call, right? And right. they all show yeah. up. So we love them all. I mean, Joe Illich, Rich Johnson, Mark, Marwick, Smiley. Mark Smiley. I mean, these guys yeah. have been on the scene forever. They've got great stuff behind them. We're going to see what and, they do in the and, future. And somebody whose name I can't remember, but she was at, she's running the Cub House and she was Oh, at, Andrea uh, Colvin. Yeah, Andrea Colvin, who yeah. was at um, United uh, Media. Yeah. So yeah. did their line of kids' books, which is very successful. So yeah. Even one of our old writers, Beth Scorzato. Yes. Isn't she the managing editor yes, over there now? Yes, yes. So yeah. So, uh, so it's, yes, it's definitely a veteran. So they've yeah. assembled a squad of, it is the Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that I think was the big coming out, you know. But I, you know, I want to go back just before we leave the yeah, topic of New York yeah. Comic Con. Yeah, I want to go back to the whole Harvey. I want to go back to the Harvey's thing because I think that was a pretty significant, uh, you know, it's a pretty significant move yeah. leaving Baltimore, and um, you know, I I've reported from it several times, and uh, there was a lot of issues with it. Well, we know. We talked about them. Yes, many we cases. did. And so, my why guess, don't we do a quick refresh? Why of what don't those we are? do? A, uh, well, I don't think that what the family said was very. You know, I mean, that's just my guess because it was too long. The nominees were a joke. The, the uh, nominees pretty, were getting ridiculous. Yes, the nominees were a joke. One and, publisher would get forty or fifty. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yes, it was. And uh, you know, my feeling after the last couple times going is, it's, I don't don't you know it comes from the Kurtzman family who licensed the name. I don't mm. know what the business arrangement is, but they couldn't have been too thrilled with it. No. So um, you know, moving in. Uh, well, I, what I heard was that Reed Pop is partnered with them. Uh, everybody said it's going to be at New York Comic Con. So this is really going to create a whole new, uh, a whole new thing to do at night. <laughs> I mean, I could just see. 
uh, remaking this a VIP event. Oh, I see. Yeah. Tickets and you know at the Harveys when they were at Baltimore Comic Con. There were no, you know, none of the winners ever showed up. Yeah, so that, that might just change. See, a I think that's going to change for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't know. If, you know, I'm in the book world, so I tell you, I've, I've always sort of used a comparison between the National Book Awards and the and the NBC, the National Book Critics Circle Awards, which are sort of the national, the NBA are the 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 predominant, the preeminent literary awards. Then in, in the NBC scenes are really great too, but it's there, it's a it's a different scene. So I've always sort of thought of the Kurtzman Awards and the Eisners in that game. But this is a potential now for them to really lift the game of, of the uh, of the Harveys. Absolutely. To, where, to a much higher level than it's been in Absolutely. the past few years. And they have not yet... I mean, none of this is announced. I mean, this is just... It was announced they were leaving Baltimore, but, you know, I, I heard from quite a few people that it was going to New York Comic Con. They have not announced how they will be doing the nominations in the future. So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, word is there might be some changes. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Something's got to be changed about what's been happening in the last yeah. few years. Uh-huh. What will be interesting to see whether it will be a gala event on Friday night or Saturday night. Yes, that's the biggest question. And and where it will be. <laughs> so um, that's well, that's the only thing um, that 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 we're waiting for here. But uh, I, I I'm I'm I think this is the best thing that could have happened to the Harveys. Well, let's not leave New York Comic Con yet because I have New York Comic Con thoughts. Oh. Uh, and one thing, just a quick mention of, you know, this award changing um, is one of the people I interviewed at the convention uh, was Bill Fawcett, who is the head of the new Dragon Awards, which they've decided uh, is going to be a People's Choice oh. Award for fanish media, for, you know, science fiction and fantasy and comic books and so on. And uh, it's it came about as a sort of positive response to the various brouhaha's and complaints surrounding Hugo's. Mm. And the idea was, well, okay, if you're saying Hugo's don't represent what the audience likes, then let's make an award that anybody can vote in and they don't have to pay. And so the model is, given that he keeps referring to it as People's Choice Award, is I think that it's, uh, as far as I can tell, that the model is to the Hugo's um, Oscars and the uh, Nebula's Golden Globes, they are going to be the uh, MTV Popcorn Awards. Right. Well, as long uh-huh. as they don't turn into the Pervert's Choice Awards. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think they will. I, I mean, because basically anyone can vote on it. And An I don't unfortunate think only... legacy, I guess, of Dragon Con. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he did sort of steer away from mentioning <laughs> that aspect of Dragon Con, for which I can't blame him. Who would really want to go back there again? Yeah. But um, well, that's good. You know, more, more. But you know, the game is being yeah. upped. Yeah. The game and all of this nerd stuff is being upped. And could I just mention very quickly that uh, as far as our interviews, um, we have uh, interviews with uh, uh, Jordan Plus of Comic Blitz, the the, um, the comic subscription service, uh, the acclaimed French graphic novel artist Francois Bouc, um, live from the floor, um, the legendary Bill Jemis about Double Take Comics. Uh, his new venture, and Kevin Hamrick, uh, who is the uh, uh, sales and marketing director at Viz Media about manga. And we also have mini interviews from Artist Alley. Yes, yes, from, and Kate had quite a few. From really. quite Marjorie a few people, Liu. including Marjorie Liu, um, Fred Van Lente. Hmm. Um, sorry, the problem is that he gets teamed with Greg Pak so much that sometimes I think of them as like Greg <laughs> Van Lente. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. 
and Mango did, did I list all the ones? I think that's all. It's yeah. not everyone, but but yeah. this is a good taster. Yeah. So um, one thing I noticed on the floor, and in fact it was commented on, is not only were there fewer people selling back issues, there were fewer of those huge bo- booths uh, selling cut price gra- cut price graphic novels. And I mean, there used to oh, be that's so true. many. There used to be the uh, yes. And I wonder if that's not a good thing. If that doesn't mean that the comic market is getting better at predicting what's going to sell or not overprinting uh, or not having I, more books remainder. I would say that is a function of Freed Pop because they told me that they were curating the floor very closely. Ah. They do not, if you also might have noticed, they did not have weapons dealers this year, even swords. They didn't uh-huh. sell swords on the show floor. Um, in an artist alley, uh, is although Midtown Comics was selling cut rate graphic novels right, like right, right. by, but I know they, they weren't hand cut over rate. Fist. They weren't cut rate. They were regular, but they they were all on sale. They were all on huge well, sales, huge discounts, at least twenty percent off. Well, but you always get twenty percent off at Midtown Comics. <laughs> okay, well there you go. Yeah, we're talking like you know <laughs> well, five you for go. twenty dollars, that there kind of thing. You know, uh, yeah, or I, we're talking half price. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that wasn't there. Although it wasn't too curated to take out all the uh, delicious, strange, and weird. They still, you know, all those little booths at the back of the hall still <laughs> had still had a wide variety of things created by various curious fanish entrepreneurs oh, creating yeah, everything from goth entrepreneurs yeah everything from you know goth perfume to adjust the backpack that was to, one of my favorites you know like all kinds of bizarre hat creations <laughs> to, <laughs> i wish i'd gotten to see this i never got to walk around the floor i was just too swamped with yeah, other yeah. responsibilities I, I always have to do a little bit of that so yeah. i did get some sightseeing in um yeah so that was that New York Comic Con. Yeah, does that? You know, hey, you know what? It wasn't bad. No, it yeah. wasn't I bad. I like yeah, it. It wasn't bad. We'll segue now to one of the strangest things going on in the comics world is the co-opting of Peppy the Frog, Matt Fury's uh, stoner character from Boys Club, uh, to a symbol of white supremacy. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's sort of like the the ultimate part of the meme generation. Yeah. But uh, but Fury is fighting back, which is interesting yeah. too. So why don't we go into this in a little more detail? Yes, that's the log line. So. Yeah. Well, all I know is, I mean, look, I didn't know much about it. I, I, I knew well, I knew the character a little bit, and then I started noticing that this was completely associated with, like, white nationalism. Well, and, yeah. Because you know, I started seeing it in my Twitter feed when people were, you know, so who would want this to happen to any kind of creation that they would make? So, no, yeah. Uh, I mean... I have to say that I was not even aware of Pepe's origin. I only knew Pepe's yeah. gif as the, oh, God, thumbs down it so it goes away. This right. comment's going to be from a bad person sign, right. which is not something you want attached to your creations. No, I mean, not that's at all. really rough. No, and I mean, uh, the Boys Club meme, I mean, you know, Fury's been around for a while. Uh, the original Boys Club was published by uh, the late... On more uh, Buena Ventura Press. Oh, right. But it yeah. was, uh, I think he did it as like his own mm-hmm. little mini comics before that. A new collection just is out this year from Fanographics. And, you know, this was really um, one, uh, if it was known for anything iconic at that point, it was that this was the Stoner comic. It's about four anthropomorphic characters who sit around and eat snacks, smoke, get high, and say silly things. <laughs> it was just as innocent as could be. And now Jeet here, who is a uh, sometimes comic scholar, mm-hmm. uh, actually 
once or twice has even contributed to Publishers Weekly. Um, and he writes for the National Review in Canada. And he wrote a really interesting piece that talked about the whole use of animals yeah. and anthropomorphism in, uh, you know, supremacist um, settings. And frogs in particular. And frogs <laughs> in particular have really? who knew? Yeah. I mean, I mean, who knew? Yeah, but I mean, he could, he even had like a, a picture from. Uh, Mickey Mouse, because uh, you know some people say Mickey Mouse is also based on you know minstrel uh, character yeah. characters with the white and gloves, with the white with jazz gloves, hands. <laughs> you know Felix the Cat. I mean, a lot of characters do go back to have this kind of minstrel mm. origin. Um, anyway, the article by Jeet here for the National Review is yeah. must reading about all this. But I think what's most interesting is that Fury. Uh, so so really, this hit ahead when the Jewish Defense League officially put Pepe on their list of. Um, like I don't know, band characters, but yeah, like characters right up racist that, characters, right, racist yeah. characters that symbols of racism, yeah. right up there with the Confederate flag and the swastika. Yeah, and is Pepe the Frog. Yeah. yeah, and so at that point, Fury was really like, "Hey, dude, <laughs> this isn't cool." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if you read Stoner Outrage, yeah, well, if you read his interviews, that's pretty much what he says. You know, not quite in so many words, but anyways, but he actually teamed up with the with the JDL. Yeah, yeah, and they're starting a hash called Save Pepe and yeah. he's trying to take back his character yeah good for him yeah you know and I, I mean it is it is so um, what is his strategy for saving Pepe a hashtag well yes. I, I know but, but what are people going to do with the hashtag and are this they going hashtag to, shall save you yeah. uh, are they going to to, to tweet uh, Pepe being a stoner as opposed to Pepe well, being I guess a caricature the thing well is, he has a, the cartoon he put up on Medium which is, yeah. which is the, the nib which was which is actually I think in its own way. Right. I think he's just trying to reintroduce Pepe yeah. as his own character and yeah. get him out there and get people to use. You know, this is all via Reddit and yes. 4chan yes. and memes and, yes. you know. The, the underbelly. The underbelly of social <laughs> of the media. Internet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, the memification machine is usually very innocent. Most things that become memes... Tip- well, they're, they're fun, sure. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't... And some of them aren't. <laughs> so, well, I mean... Usually, yeah. Unfortunately, this is the dark side of memification. Yes. yes Usually, exactly. it's just somebody being like, "Oh, here's that one moment in canon where the character says something really silly, and we'll use this gif forty million times." This is fine. Uh, yes, and that's there's that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's it gets your thing in the public eye, and it's vaguely amusing. But every once in a while. This happens. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this all right. Is well, bad. It, um, um, props to um, Pepe. Props, uh, props to Pepe. Uh, the, the, real the, Pepe. the real Pepe. The real Pepe. Not his The real, evil twin. not yeah. racist Pepe. Yeah. All right. And uh, as we are running out of time here, a uh, quick digital roundup. Uh, yeah, there was some uh, um, digital news. Yeah. At uh, New York Comic Con and beyond. Yes. Um, well, just prior to I think the New York Comic Con, uh, Comicsology announced its original programming. Plan. Uh, they're putting out three books this year. Uh, they're partnering with uh, with Valiant and um, Boom. Mm-hmm. One of them is Valiant High. You know, like a uh, tongue in cheek, um, the the Valiant superheroes in high school, and then hijinks ensue. Um, what are they doing for Boom? I'm oh oh Marshall oh, I, Lee. Yes. Yeah, they're doing adventure, yes. an adventure time. They're doing an adventure time. Marshall Lee, uh, the 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 cool um, okay. head banging vampire that. kid, and um, and then they're doing a really interesting project, which I really found it where they're working with Dennis Kitchen, um, the Marley's Ghost graphic novel that's being done in, uh, and they're actually using um, thumbnails that Harvey Kurtzman created in the 1950s. 
they're working with him to turn, uh, I think he's got 70 pages of thumbnail sketches for proposed graphic novels. Uh, and they, bro, I'm forgetting the artist's name. Was it uh, Kindle, Gideon Kindle? One of the, you know what, I, I don't, I apologize to everyone. I don't have the artist's name right at my fingertips, but they are going to basically recreate and create this graphic novel from Harvey Kurtzman's um, editorial notes and thumbnails. Uh, it'll be a hundred page, full color uh, graphic novel that's coming out. And more, there'll be more original publishing to come. It's very interesting how they're doing it. They're really partnering with publishers. I, I, I did put a question to them about whether or not we are going to literally see a published by Comixology, you know, um, imprint. And they were, you know, as usual with anybody associated with Amazon, uh, they were cagey. Yes. Except to say that there will be more. Exactly. I mean, that was that. the same thing. I'm sure Calvin and I asked the same questions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't give you a straight yeah. answer on that. But there will definitely but, be yes. more. More is coming. But it's very interesting. And, um, yeah, I yes. mean, you know, if you, I, I've often said, if you want to know what's going to happen with Comixology, just project out from Audible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and Kindle and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And, I mean, you see Comixology becoming more and more integrated with the Kindle. And, absolutely, and absolutely. my ninety-five-year-old grandmother can now use the Kindle Fire. Well, yeah, you there know, you go. Well, she can buy comics now. People are very now. adaptable. <laughs> so, well, they are. But, but I mean, yeah. I mean, this is someone who cannot work a CD player, but the Kindle Fire she can use well, because yeah. it's easier because she's motivated. Too. And, and Comicsology, I mean, uh, different kinds of companies, and Audible is one of them, have a certain amount of autonomy within the Amazon universe, and Comicsology seems to be one of them. So we're going to see more, including uh, Comicsology has also added um, about seven graphic novels from. Harper Collins. So we're going to see Nimona. You can Ooh. get that um, through uh, Big Nate, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Nimona being a you know National Book Award nominee. Uh, Neil Gaiman's Graveyard Books. Uh, so um, uh, done with P. Craig Russell and others. So you're going to see more of um, Harper Collins titles on comics. Right, and eventually you'll just see everything on comics. <laughs> yeah, well, but, that's, but that's there are still a few part of the everything still uh, brave uh, alternatives like Comic Blitz. Yes, yes, um, and we have an I- interview with him giving uh, with Jordan Plosky, the courageous young entrepreneur who uh, has started this. Um, they are. Um, they have added IDW. They're adding about 500 IDW titles to Comic Blitz. They're lowering the. They're lowering the basic unlimited access price to 7.99 for a limited time. But they're also adding a basic level, a new basic level for 3.99 a month that will give you like 10 comics that you have unlimited access to. So they're trying to weave some pricing into uh, also the need well, to good. build up their selection. So yeah. um, we'll keep an eye on yeah, this Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, they've been at it about a year. They launched a year ago at New York Comic Con, and they're still at it. You know, IDW is, is renowned for trying different platforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think anytime uh, there's uh, a alternative, it makes things stronger. I'm what, sorry, Kate. What on. I'm really looking forward to is whatever subscription model place finally makes a deal with DC for their back catalog <laughs> because Marvel can do it right like Marvel Unlimited's there you can enjoy it it's great but I'm a DC girl like if I'm already yeah. paying for Marvel Unlimited and I am you know <laughs> I would pay for DC Unlimited I mean there's just so much stuff in those back archives yeah uh, DC now DC where is DC's on they, one are they on Hoopla 
I think there's one service. But they're not, they don't have any, but that's not for their back issues like paywall. No, it's not back issues. No, 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 they don't have, there's no No, Netflix model for for DC. Yeah, and they don't, yeah, they're not on any of the the other ones, but they are on, and Hoopla is the public library. Yes. Yeah. Version of this. I mean, yes, you can get DC graphic novels from your public library, but you can't get. Yeah. The deep backlash. And I, you know, one thing worth pointing out in talking about alternatives such as Comic Blitz is that, you know, uh, Comicsology announced their own Unlimited a while ago. But it's not that unlimited. But it's turned out to be quite limited. And they, they shuffle, you know, that's fine. I mean, nobody's. But then don't like, call it unlimited. Well, well I mean, they're, it's marketing. And then they're also, you know, um, I mean, I get the feeling that they that that's really what they see it as. This is yeah. a sampler. Yes. Uh, you know, it's just really a way to get people, which is uh, fine, uh, and send them to and other you, comics. And you know, listen, uh, Scribd tried, tried that, and yeah. uh, they didn't. You know, it became too much. People were eating too much at the buffet, so they had to scale back on it entirely. But you know, obviously, Amazon's buffet is almost endless. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, All right. And finally, so, mm-hmm. uh, did we talk about Madefire? No, we didn't. No, yeah. They, yeah. What was the uh, the last thing? Um... Well, Madefire had uh, they had partnered with Fox. They had a pretty interesting display yeah. that ripped off the Watchmen at New York Comic Con. <laughs> but uh, they also have an <laughs> Oculus Rift. They've teamed up with Oculus Rift to do these uh, VR kind of thing thingers. And mm. you know, Madefire's been around for a while in search yeah. of being acquired by somebody with a lot of money, and they're still at it. So yeah. you got to give them. And they what they just Kevin, they just got a new funding round, right? They did. I think they got another six million. Million dollars. Yeah. I mean, they do have a knack for getting um, some significant investment. Right. Um, I, I'm just not sure how big penetration is. I mean, we need to look at Made Fire again and see a little bit more about what's happening. But I mean, I do think that comics, even um, uh, interactive comics, whatever you want to call it, are having the same problems that enhanced ebooks. Uh, having in the prose world, um, you know, ebooks that have all of these added features to them, people don't necessarily want them. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they I think don't. it's a cool idea, but they're not buying a whole lot. I of think them. when people sit down to read a book, they don't want to hear bells ringing and whistles chiming. And furthermore, it takes up space. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yep. there's, for example, there's uh, a romance novelist, uh, Courtney Milan whose work I quite like. They're very light and fluffy and funny and historical and feminist and stuff. And so she went on her own and is ebook publishing herself her own work. She's got the digital rights and she's put them out there. But for some reason she got it in her head that what we really wanted was to have like it larded up with vast amounts of extras that makes every book take up like 55 MB yeah. on your phone, which don't I don't want. want and she, they don't even give you the option to like not have it. And I'm like, can I not have the enhanced version? People How about no enhancement? Want it. Yeah. And y- you know, it's, it is amazing that as the tablet, the phablet, the phone, all of this has come along. Like p- things have reverted to their purest state. Yeah. You know, people like to play uh, Plants vs. Zombies as a little game. <laughs> Uh, where you, you know, try to kill zombies with your plants. Yep. They don't like reading it as an enhanced comic book that jumps nope. out and it has, uh, you know, 
3D projections. No, <laughs> in, in fact, when people are saying that the, the best thing about a tablet is that it looks exactly like a comic book page. I know. I know. I, I mean, it is. It is really. I, I call it the, the umbrella theory. You know, sometimes something is designed in a way so that it really can't be improved upon. Yeah. And apparently, the comic book page actually is pretty good, just yeah. the way it is. It, much know? like it's the, actually a very good size, like a page mm-hmm. of prose. Yeah. Um, That's what people want. Well, <laughs> yeah. On a screen you, or on a piece yeah. of paper. Well, if you compare the size of a modern comic book to like the older, bigger ones, mm-hmm. or to you know, oh, deluxe, extra size graphic novel, the actual page size of a graphic of a uh, modern comic book is about the ideal size for readability, yep. so that you don't kind of have to like it's it's not awkward. It's just mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's just big enough that you can see everything in detail, but just small enough that it's not like enormous and awkward and hard to read. Which isn't to say that people like Emily Carroll and Boulet haven't used digital comics, for instance, to do amazing things. Sure. Oh, but, yeah. But guess what? They're both geniuses. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it that's not, it just hasn't become the language of the land yet, yeah. you know, until you have, like, followers of Emily Carroll, which I don't think yeah. will happen. Well, like well the, the web- endless canvas and all of that, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a very interesting concept, but I just think for when it comes to, like, heavy-duty reading, you know, people just want the book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the... I will say that sometimes you can shape the canvas a little differently. Like, for example, the Webtoons model of scrolling down, yeah. that mm-hmm. works fine. But, I mean, that's certainly I've seen that in lots of, like, self-published uh, short mini-comics that a lot of people will publish their mini-comic, like a scroll, kind right. of. And, right. You know, like, that sort of works. But you just you just want to see art in an easily understandable sequential right. Line. Absolutely. And you do mention a very interesting thing with um with webtoons because this this is what I this does seem Which to I need have to pay more attention uh, to. This really does seem to have evolved that. in mm-hmm. Korea as the yeah. other the other mm-hmm. format. It's a very, very popular format in Korea. Um and uh Webtoons trying to bring it here. Uh Stella tried the same thing, uh failed spectacularly. Everybody's already left there. Um you know, probably going to be another one of the island of orphaned apps on my on my phone. I have a lot of those. Um, but but you're right, Kate. The um, the scrolling downward like panels optimized for your phone is uh, you know it could be uh, an alternative that yeah. emerges, or it could be just another also ran here. Well, it, I mean, it could. I think it has established itself not necessarily through webtoons, but just through people doing it because it's just easy to put your art like boom, boom, boom as something that people do on their blogs mm-hmm. or their tumblers or their whatever right. in order to get a short mini comic out there like it, it it already exists as a format to put your mini comic in um but whether it will translate to to longer works for you know english speakers i don't know we'll see yeah developing more to come mm-hmm. on that more to come on that so uh yeah so um now to the briefs we actually only have one brief, dear listeners. <laughs> a brief brief. <laughs> because <laughs> brief because of all, the all, all the other parts of the news ate my briefs, which okay. is good. It's it's nice to have a cohesive whole for once. Um, but today's brief is about Rurouni Kenshin, one of the most popular manga turned anime, turned live action and musical, yes, musical series ever, uh, is now having a spin-off from the very same creator and his wife, who's getting in on the action. Uh, and manga will be titled Rurouni Kenshin Aibun Ashitaro Zenka Ari. 
or in English, Rurouni Kenshin variant story, The Criminal Ashitaro. Yeah, okay. Ashitaro. Let's do this. So, <laughs> so undoubtedly, um, given that they in the past did a uh, one-off spin-off about a different villain, um, this will probably be more of that. Uh, fans are already eager to see more of their favorite characters. And um, we will sit on the edge of our seats to see it. All right. right. Very good. Well, yeah, I think uh, the entire comics industry is recovering from New York Comic Con, the last big show of the year. uh, And so are we. So we've had our say. Yeah. And there will be. More. To come. 